Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Fight fans, we welcome you into a new edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Canovio, and boxing is finally back. We saw some fights this past week over on ESPN, courtesy of Top Rank Boxing. Before we get into all the fights and what we saw and what we liked and what we did not like, a little housekeeping note. If you enjoy watching the show, you can check us out on YouTube as well over at CompuBox TV. Also on iTunes, subscribe. Leave us a five-star review and a comment so we can keep bringing you this show every single week. If you're watching on Fubo Sports, thank you very much. We have a new partnership with the Fubo Sports Network. We're bringing you this show every single week. We've been doing it previously every other week. Now we're coming to you every single week because there is a lot of boxing to talk about. Joining us on the show, as usual, Karan Bhatia, who will join us in a little bit to talk about uh, what we liked, what we didn't like, uh, Shakur Stevenson, and some other boxing news uh, as well. Some big news came along here uh, as we re- sat down and to record this show. It looks like Eddie Hearn has spilled the beans on a potential mega fight in the heavyweight division between Anthony Joshua and, and Tyson Fury. I'm seeing a lot of different things on Twitter right now. You're seeing that the biggest hurdle was crossed. That's always the money side of things. It looks like there's going to be a 50-50 split for the first fight and then a 60-40 split in favor of whoever wins the first fight. But let's not get too excited here because both guys – Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua have fights in the interim. They have to win both those fights. We also are in the middle of a pandemic. So we don't know exactly when the fight's going to take place. We don't know where the fight's going to take place. But at least it shows that there is big boxing on the way. It's funny because I see a lot of people saying, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. But I also see a lot of boxing fans saying, man, we never have anything to look forward to. There's no big fights being announced. So you can't really have both. I think that we should be excited. I think it's a no-brainer. For, for Eddie Hearn to announce such a fight. He has to do something to keep the zone and his company in the headline. So why not say, hey, we have a huge fight between Anthony Joshua and, and Tyson Fury. My hopes is that it ends up at Wembley Stadium, 90,000 packed in there, or somewhere in England, somewhere in the UK. But we all know that this fight has a very good shot ending up abroad, especially uh, in, the, in the Middle East. Maybe Saudi Arabia, once again, if they were willing to throw down a large amount of money for the rematch between Anthony Joshua and, and, and Andy Ruiz. Just imagine what they would do for a unification bout between Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. It, it's it's crazy. But the boxing world is churning. A lot of big fights coming up uh, on the schedule. We saw some from top rank uh, this past week. They're going to be putting on fights every single week, two times a week. So there's a lot to, to unpack here. I'm going to do so with Karim Badia coming up next year. A uh, lot of stuff to get to. Shakur Stevenson looked good in the ring as well. But here he is, Karan Badia, as we break down what we saw this past week over our Top Rank Boxing. And without further ado, I bring in my man, Karan Badia. You know him as the host of the Ask the Expert podcast, former HBO boxing producer. All around great dude coming to us from New Jersey. Karan, how are things yep. in the Garden State? 
in New Jersey, waiting it out to go back to New York City. Um, I think there's they're taking away the stay at home and phase one. I don't know. You know how it is, man. We're all trying to get through this thing. How is it for you in Brooklyn? Well, things are things are starting to get a little bit more regular every day. Uh, you know, one thing we saw was boxing on TV. I mean, that right. made me feel good watching boxing on television, actually coming together here, not talking about rumors. We're not talking about fights that we just watched on YouTube. We're not talking about legendary nights that we pulled up, former HBO that you were a part of. We're actually talking about fights that we saw last night back. that we saw on Tuesday on ESPN. And that's why I have you here. We're going to talk about some of the things we liked. We're going to talk about some of the things that we thought they can do better. But first of all, hats off to everyone at, at Top Rank. Hats off yes. to everyone at ESPN for what they pulled off on Tuesday night, putting together those fights. That takes a lot of planning. That takes a lot of execution. Uh, that takes a lot of savvy there from uh, you know the, the guys that were in the truck at Bristol. I think they cut down their, their truck from 22 people uh, to nine people to put that on. Flawless. I thought the, the execution was flawless in terms of the broadcast. You know, you had Joe Tess. Uh, at the studio in, in Bristol, you had Kriegel at home, you had Bradley at home, you had Andre Ward at home. That is not easy to do to pull that off with very little interruptions. I thought just right from the start, uh, from the broadcast, all four guys, I thought the continuity was there. No, absolutely. Boxing is back, right? You saw that logo. You saw that mentioned many times, but boxing is back differently, right? We have announcers from their homes. When they're calling fights, they're kind of stepping on each other a little bit, but top rank, the team, Brad Jacobs, uh, everyone deserves to be congratulated because this was a monumental effort to get the bubble, right? To get that area where uh, it's clean and everyone's safe and you can have these fights. Um, they deserve 100% credit for bringing boxing back. I actually have a friend who works in production there. They're going to have a bunch of fights coming up, as we know. He has to stay in his hotel uh, for the next eight weeks. He lives in Vegas. He can't go 10 minutes home to see his family. Wow. In, right. So that's the kind of precautions that people are taking uh, to make sure that we're safe. And we saw that last night, a ring announcer outside the ring, post-fight interviews, socially distant. So it was different. But hey, we can't complain. Boxing's back. Yeah, it was. It was definitely interesting just to watch from like what we're going to see. How does it look? Because I think the fights, for the most part, were either mismatches or they were you know up and coming guys that you may have never watched. So I think a lot of people tuned in last night just for the curiosity to see what it was going to look like. Uh, obviously, the, the main event, of course, Stevenson uh, with a, a KO win. Um, he looked good. I think he looked really dominant at 130. I think he should stay there because there were some really big fights. We're going to talk about that a little later on. But let's talk about the presentation and what we saw, Kerr. And I have jotted down some things that I really liked. And I also jotted down some things that I think just criticisms because I don't think there's any negatives from this considering how hard it is and considering, uh, you know, me and you know what it takes uh, to put on a production like this. Actually, we do, don't know what it takes to put on a COVID-19 production, but we know what it takes to put on a regular boxing event. But these are just from the start. I really like the aesthetic of the what they did with the building. Uh, Top Rank has always been good at this in terms of you know the, the lighting, in terms of the signage behind, in terms of the entrances. You know, right away, I, th I saw that they went with, you know, putting big giant screens behind the ring with, you know, the fighter's, uh, you know, logo on it or different top rank stuff, different motion with that. I thought the lights, I thought that was better than just simply blackening the arena. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. So you don't have a live crowd, so you need to make it a different experience for people watching at home. They did that. It was like a nightclub experience I saw it described as. I thought they did a really good job in terms of enhancing that. 
Um, we talked about, they said boxing is back. I thought that was great. They also gave a platform to some of the announcers. We heard Andre Ward and Tim Bradley uh, get a little emotional because not just COVID-19, but we know the other issues that are going on in America right now in terms of protests and other things. And I thought it was great that they gave a platform to these guys to make that part of the story, right? Not just ignoring the important things that are going on in the world. So it was, it was definitely different. It was socially distanced, um, but they pulled it off. It was weird to not have a crowd and you can hear the referee talking to the fighters. The fighters can hear their trainers. It's different. And we saw that in UFC, but it seemed like top rank and ESPN were actually taking more precautions for safety uh, than maybe UFC was in Florida. Right? Oh yeah. I mean, that's one thing that we saw was that this was thorough. I mean, top rank was putting out tweets, all day about the safety precautions. They had a whole thread of taking you through this. This is how we. This is how we. Uh, you know, train the fight. This is where they where they are going to uh, spar or or not spar, but you know, train in another ballroom. You know, this is everything we do. Once you go in a room, you tape it off. I think Top Rank has been very tra- transparent with how many precautions they are, are they're taking for this. To touch on what you just talked about with the filler, no one, everyone hates filler when it comes to to, to boxing programming. I think ESPN, that's something that they lean on a lot to tell the story of their upcoming fights and all that. But you can't deny the, the, the powerful message that was Shakur, um, that was Andre Ward and Tim Bradley, what they had to say. I thought both guys you know, laid out their trials and tribulations with being an African-American in, in America, especially an athlete. I thought Tim Bradley's story was especially important and especially powerful. You know, talking about being pulled over with his son strictly for having a, a sports car and, you know, four cops showing up. He almost brought him to tears. I thought those stories had to be told, and I thought they were very powerful because, you know, we see it going on all in the world, but just to, to zone in just on boxing, to hear from two guys as prominent as Andre Ward and, and Tim Bradley, I thought that was great, and I, I thought that was a really good thing. In terms of the broadcast, and you can uh, speak on this, it's really hard to call a fight. It's really hard to, to call boxing with two other guys when you're all together. It's to get everyone in unison to not step on each other. It's it takes a lot, and it takes a lot of professionals. Just imagine now what went on last night with Tessator calling it from a studio. All the other dudes were home. You know, Andre Ward was home. Tim Bradley was probably in his in his office, and there was maybe I can count on one hand the amount of times that they interrupted each other or, or the times that they stepped on each other, that right there is super impressive. And that just, you know, is hats off to, to Joe Tessitore for kind of being like the quarterback for that. And all three of these guys working in unison. No, they, they absolutely get credit for making that happen, for being able to work together in that circumstance. I think Tim Bradley said his son was his tech support team, right? He was working off of his computer. He had They all had iPads where they could see the other announcers so they could try not to step on each other. So that was that was really important. And, and just going back to one other thing that you said in terms of uh, Ward and Bradley's comments, I also think it was good that the protests and everything going on in the world was a narrative throughout the fight, even with the main event. And I know we're going to talk about Shakur Stevenson named after Tupac Shakur. He came out to changes. He had the, I can't breathe shirt, right? This was, this was an important moment. And he even said after the fight, he said, I didn't go out in these protests because I didn't want to get COVID because I wanted to fight. Now I can go do that. Right. So I'm glad that that was a thread uh, throughout the entire production last night. Yeah, of course. And we had him on the show last week, Shakur Stevenson. And, you know, he was keeping tabs on what was going on. But, you know, unfortunately, he was training for a fight. And he said, you know, like you, like you said, the minute that it's over, you know, I'm going to head back out there and I'm going to uh, support my people. I thought that was really well done uh, 
from, from ESPN. Coming up next, after the break, we dive more into the first fight on ESPN. Okay, Curran, I don't want to label this as, as negatives because I don't think that anything was negative from last night. I thought it was a big step back, to, a big step forward to get boxing back. But these are some things I noticed, some criticisms that maybe they can enhance. Like Bob Arum actually put out a tweet that says, if you have criticisms, send them my way. We're going, we're going to listen. So if you're listening, Bob, I wish there was more sound uh, from the corners or more sound from the fight itself, more fight sound. This is something that I liked from the UFC model and maybe – it was because uh, a couple of their fights were, were on pay-per-view and they can get away with some curses or some foul language. But I wanted to hear more from the corners. I don't think there was one corner played uh, on, on Tuesday night's fights. They went quickly to commercial. That might be a financial thing. But I wanted to hear more from the refs, maybe not Jay Needy. But I wanted to hear more from the fighters. I wanted to hear more of that interaction that I think a lot of fans are are looking forward to, whether it's in basketball or if we ever get baseball back. But I wanted to hear more sound. Yeah, unfortunately, because uh, ESPN, of course, they have to go to commercial. You only get that one-minute break in boxing between rounds, so it's usually going to two, maybe 30-second commercials. Sometimes it's hard. It would have been nice maybe if someone's listening to that in the truck, replaying what was interesting. Um, you mentioned UFC was able to do that. Obviously, they're staying there in the corner, so it would have been nice. I think the biggest criticism people will have, and, and we have to preface this by saying it was a Herculean effort to get boxing back. And again, there was a great article on ESPN about how this was all put together, all the precautions and everything that was done by Brad Jacobs and the, and the great top-ranked team. But unfortunately, this wasn't necessarily the best matchups, right? I mean, I think that's the biggest criticism that you could say. It seemed like lopsided fights. We got knockouts, but they weren't necessarily exciting because it was fighters that not all of us had necessarily heard of or seen in the ring many times. And I think Teddy Atlas actually tweeted this, uh, and I know he has a relationship with ESPN, or he did, and he said after the after the fight, he tweeted out, please let me know when boxing gets back, right? <laughs> Saying on, without the, the quote unquote, like, I want real competitive fights. So I think if you're going to look at a criticism, it's going to be back. But hey, we have boxing again uh, tonight, right? And then a couple more fights. So I guess the important thing is that the fights are com- still happening. Right. If you're a savvy boxing fan, you understand that this was what we're going to get. I mean, I'm not happy with it, but I'm also not upset with the type of fights that we got. You have to realize the economics of the sport is very different than UFC. And Shakur Stevenson got $400,000 alone of, for that fight. I think the highest paid guy in the Gaethje was a similar, similar price. So it's a different economics. It's a totally different thing. They had to go with these types of fights off the bat. We're going to see better fights as the months go on. We're going to see better fights as every single week goes on. So this, I think Steve Kim tweeted this, and I really liked it. He tweeted that this reminded him of the first week of college football season where you're getting blowouts all over the map. You're getting, you know, 65 to nothings. You're getting, you know, bowling greens getting blown out by Ohio State. But college football is on and you know it's going to be here for the next couple of weeks. I think that's what we're going to get uh, for boxing. Some other things that I wish that uh, maybe they, they did a little more of is like we're going to have a lot of fill. We just talked about that. How about getting a little more creative with the fill? How about some Skype interviews with Terrence Crawford, bring in some fighters, uh, you know, make it a little different than just the four guys you know, you know, talking because that can get a little repetitive. If you bring in other elements, if you can use the resources that you have at ESPN, bring in some maybe some guys outside of boxing to talk about how excited they are to see to show that it's that the whole country is watching. I thought maybe that could be something that they can do a little more of. 
Yeah, there was definitely some breaks between fights. That also was because uh, there were short fights, knockouts, early knockouts. Um, and, you know, they have to clean and sanitize things before each round. So that was different. Um, I guess the other thing that if you wanted to find some criticism or something that maybe they could do better or differently would be their co-main event was scrapped, right? That was Michaela Meyer. She yep. tested positive. Now, she feels like she had an antibody test that she had the antibodies. Um, so she feels like it was a false positive. I, I believe she took another test uh, on Wednesday. And I think we're still awaiting those results to see if she actually is positive or negative. But maybe that's a protocol thing. Like someone who their team is completely uh, negative. Uh, they feel like they have the antibodies because they had that test. Most likely they don't have it. Maybe there should be some protocol to get another test or some other way to figure out if there is a false positive because no one wants to see these fights get scrapped, especially a co-main event. Now, obviously safety is, is the number one thing and that is the most important thing. Um, but they'll, they'll get better as they go along. And like we said, we have a, a big run of fights coming up here in June and July. Yeah. It's a little over my pay grade in terms of what they else they can do, but you never know. This is trial and error. It's the first fight yes. back. You never know. They could evolve as we evolve as a society when it comes to COVID-19 uh, restrictions. One last thing before we move into Shakur Stevenson, I want to put out a formal apology to Johnny Langston. I tweeted something out yesterday in, you know, kind of in haste about one of the negatives of, I still believe this though, one of the negatives of COVID-19 boxing is guys aren't getting the proper training camps. They're not getting the proper sparring. I think he even admitted to only sparring seven rounds uh, in total for this camp. I noticed that he was very gassed right after the first round. It could have been from the fact that he was in there with an oversized, you know, he was overmatched in terms of, of size up against Big Baby, got hit with a body shot. Maybe that's why he was gassed. He did throw 63 punches around. It wasn't like he just didn't try. But it's too, it is something that I think we're going to see more is the fact that these are not real training camps these guys are getting. So you're going to see guys gassing out more. You're going to see guys uh, not with the proper sparring. So uh, shout out to Johnny Langston for getting in the ring and, and, and giving us fights there. So, you know, I had to send out a little quick apology to my guy there because I don't want to say that these guys aren't aren't trying. I'm sure he appreciates your apology, and and it he it was pointed out that he only got to spar seven rounds. That wasn't necessarily by choice. That's because of everything that's that's going on right now. And the same thing happened to Tony Ferguson in UFC. He said he was preparing for a ground fighter in Khabib. Okay, things go, you know, COVID happens, fights get changed, Khabib can't leave Russia, now he has to fight Gaethje, that's a completely different style of fighter. So everyone, in terms of the fight game, is dealing with having to make these adjustments, and it's going to affect fighters differently, because we don't know who has access to what facility, what gyms are open, what phase this state is, in versus this guy who's fighting in this other state. Um so right now, it's it's really hard to know uh, who, you know, who's going to be able to be consistent with their training or sparring. Curran, let's talk about Shakur Stevenson. He was the main event on Tuesday night. He is a fighter that we're going to see a lot of in the future. Uh, he was the main event. And moving forward, this was his first fight at 130 pounds. He went in there. Uh, he did what we thought he was going to do. He knocked out his opponent, uh, Caraballo, in the sixth round with a really good body shot. For Stevenson, there were some things to pick up here. I know it was a complete mismatch. He outlanded him 121 to 18 but I thought, you know, stylistically, I thought Stevenson looked very comfortable at the weight. I thought his power was there. That's, that's a knock on him already at age 22. People want him to punch like George Foreman. That's eventually going to come. But he was very precise with his punches. And also I thought no wasted movement from Stevenson. So I think, yeah, it was a mismatch. But we did see some things from Stevenson showed that he was very sharp. 
Stevenson looked sensational. He played the part of the main event. Uh, now, Caraballo, uh, for his part, he looked like Miguel Cotto coming to the ring. A lot <laughs> of people said he, unfortunately for him, looked more like a heavy bag in the ring. I hate to say it. He was only able to land 18 punches, as you pointed out, provided by CompuBox, of course. Now, here's the one thing I would say to be a little bit uh worried if there is a negative for Stevenson one is he hurt his left hand during that fight he it, it just seemed like he threw a, a straight left and he was wincing he hurt it we didn't get the details of exactly how bad it's hurt but that's not necessarily a good sign that's a comparison to Floyd Mayweather in maybe not the best way in terms of if you have hand problems um, the other issue was we know he was moving up from featherweight to 130 pounds he said that he felt Caraballo's punches yeah only 18 punches landed he said he felt those Maybe that's something about moving up in weight. That's not necessarily the best thing you want to hear from a fighter who just moved up uh, from from uh, into a new weight class. That, and I also feel like he, w- he was going for the knockout. He wanted to do something sensational. If you went the distance, it's almost like a loss for Stevenson, not on your record, but you know, in the eyes of the public. So a lot of times when that happens, you're more willing to stay into the pocket. You're more willing to get hit. He only got hit with 18 shots. said he felt a, a few of them. But just to show how good defensively Shakur Stevenson is, you have to go back 23 rounds ago in his career, uh, the last time he was hit more, hit more than 10 uh, punches in a round. That was against Christopher Diaz. The guy's a defensive wizard. There were a lot of comparisons to Floyd Mayweather, and I feel like <laughs> we at Capuox were part of that discussion because we supplied the numbers that ESPN wanted to, to, to illustrate the comparisons. Yes, I think it's unfair uh, to be uh, compared to, to Floyd Mayweather, but you know that's how promotions work. Yeah, I mean, uh, so this is your fault, you're saying, in terms of the comparison. I will take the blame as CompuBox as a whole, not just on me. It's on Nick Canobio, it's on Bob Canobio, it's on the powers that be at CompuBox. I don't want to say we take the L for this because it's just a simple uh, graphic and it did get a lot of reaction. It, it definitely did. And even on SportsCenter, they put up another graphic that what he's achieved at his age is similar to Mayweather and De La Hoya, right? Those are his peers in terms of what they've achieved at this point. We want to be excited about these young fighters at, at this age. And, and so that's why that they, they compared him to Mayweather, to Sugar Ray Leonard. Um, the, the, the comparisons were nonstop. He's going to be his own man. Andre Ward even came on SportsCenter afterwards to speak to Scott Van Pelt. And he said, his own next opponent is himself. He needs to stay in the gym. He needs to stay being a, um, a gym rat, studying the game. He can be a future star if he kind of stays on this path right now. All right, Carl, let's quickly get into who we can see him fight at 130. There are some really good names uh, at 130 if he wants to stay there. Oscar Valdez, uh, you got Leo Santa Cruz, you got Lomachenko, and of course, Miguel Burchell. These are some of the names right in the top rank family, not Leo Santa Cruz. I want to see him in there with Burchell. I want to see Stevenson go up against any volume puncher just from the stylistical standpoint. Yeah, any of those matchups would be uh, great. Herring, Burchell, Valdez, any basically anyone that can test this kid. And we can say, what is he about? He's only 22 years old. He turns 23 later this month. So we just want to see what this kid is made of. So far, he's been sensational. And the, the thing about the knockout is he put in a, a special time, 131. The over-under was five and a half rounds. So that was <laughs> one that. second. By one second, you were either very happy or very upset as a sports better. Yeah, shout out to Ringwalk John for that one, putting out uh, th- those numbers. Yeah, so I thought Stevenson looked great, and I want to see him at 130 moving forward. As we say goodbye, Current, all in all, I thought uh, it was a really successful night f- for ESPN, really successful night for boxing. 
We got the fights back. We're talking about real fights. The fights are going to get better. I think the production's going to get better. Maybe they took some of our advice here. I'm pumped because you know what? If you didn't like the fights, a couple days later, you have more. And a couple days later after that, you have more right into the summer when I think there's going to be even bigger fights. Boxing is back. Uh, more importantly, talking boxing is back, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's yeah. what we want. And the production will get better. I wonder if they're still working on that whole uh, fans can do the cheering at home and they're going to pump it in. Let's we'll see what happens when when if they can actually do that next time, maybe. I forgot to bring that up. Yes, I do think it's a good idea, but there are ways to make it better. And I think there will be better options for, for authentic crowd noise. All right, guys, that is a wrap for us for Karambatia. I am Dan Canobio. Thank you for watching Inside Boxing Live. We'll see you next week.